This episode is sponsored by our friends at YCharts. Thousands of financial advisors, asset managers, and investors rely on YCharts to develop insights, make smarter investment decisions, and effectively communicate with prospects and clients. With industry-leading tools, you're empowered to create compelling visuals that emphasize the strengths of your investment strategies. For more information, start a free trial at YCharts.com or follow on Twitter at YCharts. Now, we hope you enjoy this episode of the 7 Investing Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of our 7 Investing Podcast, where it's our mission to empower you to invest in your future. I'm 7 Investing founder and CEO, Simon Erickson, joined by my colleague, lead advisor, Dana Abramovitz. We're going to be talking about science today. We're joined by Mei Mei Hu. She is the CEO and co-founder of Vaccinity, a company in the life sciences sector that's tackling some really big problems. Mei I'm really excited to chat with you this morning. Thanks for being a part of our podcast. Of course. Thanks for having me. Like I said, we're going to jump into the nitty gritty of the science. We're going to look at the serious conditions like Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and COVID that your company is addressing. But maybe let's start at the very top. At the 10,000 foot level, your vision is to provide cheaper, safer, more convenient, and more effective medicines for chronic diseases for everyone. And the mission attached to that is to democratize health by pioneering the third biologic revolution. For anyone watching, Vaccinity is publicly traded. VAXX is the ticker on that. Can you introduce us to your company, first and foremost, Mimi? Yeah, of course. So um, thanks for summarizing it. I mean, basically, we have one North Star, which is to democratize health. And we plan on doing that by basically you know, bringing the efficiency of vaccines, which we've seen uh, how remarkable they can be, particularly in this COVID pandemic, um, but bringing that efficiency of, of, you know, speed, scale, and accessibility to chronic diseases, which for the first time in history are now killing us more than anything else. So, you know, we're doing this through a technology platform. Um, and when you mentioned the third biologic revolution, um, you know, the first one was vaccines, which uh, helped, you know, prevents over 27 uh, diseases now. And the second biologic revolution were these things called monoclonal antibodies, these proteins that are the kind of magic drug, which are now the top selling drugs in the world um, for chronic disease. But the problem is they're, they're difficult to take and difficult to make and extremely expensive. So we're combining the, those two together um, with a technology platform and hopefully bringing uh, transformative medicines all around the globe to every corner. So that's what we're planning. And we'll bounce back and forth. I'm going to hand it to Dana. We'll jump back and forth on asking the questions. But Dana, I'll hand it to you to talk a little bit more about that technology. Yeah, no, I, you know, so I'd love to learn more. Um, you know, our bodies have been, you know, designed over millions of years to fight foreign objects, right? And and vaccines take advantage of that. Um, and I'm curious, you know, like with chronic diseases, um, the objects are, you know, within our own bodies. So, you know, I'd love to learn a little bit more about your technology and how you're using it to, um, you know, vaccines to address chronic diseases and, you know, our own body um, proteins. Yeah. So you, you hit on something, which is that our immune system uh, has been, you know, is actually one of the most sophisticated machines ever created, and it's evolved over millions of years. And it naturally has all sorts of defenses against diseases. And one of them is the ability to produce antibodies. So traditionally, we think about it like in the COVID sense, um, producing antibodies to neutralize viruses, right? Um, and help protect us against severe disease. Uh, it turns out that with chronic diseases, they're also, they're caused by things that our body produces itself. So what we call self antigens, right? Um, 
heart disease would be caused by high cholesterol. So it's one of the, the you know, um, early things. Uh, Alzheimer's is caused by toxic proteins that bundle up in your brain. Uh, it turns out that when you look at high-performing centenarians, um, the immune system actually does produce antibodies to neutralize against these also. So what we figured out to do um, is to really selectively activate parts of your immune system to produce antibodies against these specific proteins that are the agents and causes of chronic diseases. So with Alzheimer's, our vaccine is designed to produce antibodies that neutralize these amyloid, these toxic amyloid ligamers that build up in your brain as you age. With heart disease, it's something called PCSK9, which you know will have a regulatory impact on bad cholesterol. And so we teach the body to produce antibodies against that, which ultimately lowers cholesterol. It's not a new concept, right? It's just been extremely difficult to do. And what we've done is develop a technology over the last couple of decades that's figured out how to do it safely and consistently, which is why um, I think you'd be effective. So can I ask a follow-up question about that? So yeah. when you have the, the antibody, you know, it, it binds to whatever protein target you, you find, and then it just triggers a regular immune response and, and degrades the, the foreign material that those, is that how it's working? Yeah, so uh, I think, you know, Antibodies, once they neutralize the target, it will be uh, you know, washed away in your body in, in all sorts of mechanisms. But I think the trick is actually the production of the antibody in the first place. That's where the hard part is because your body has something called immune tolerance, right? We're really smart. If we were to develop antibodies against ourselves, that's called autoimmune disease. So we have to be really careful about that. Um, so I think that the really tricky part about it is how do you get your body to develop antibodies against just a specific thing and not everything else and not triggering all sorts of other immune responses like T-cell inflammation. You know, that's been one of the challenges with other vaccine technologies is um, they haven't really been able to, to do what we do safely. So other programs have been halted mostly because of those, those impacts. Um, we've been tested in six clinical trials now and actually the, the technology was originally commercialized in animal health. So over 3 billion doses sold on the market to date. Um, so, you know, going back to your question, it's, it's yes, once it neutralizes, it gets uh, broken down and taken away. But the real trick is how do you produce that thing in the first place? I believe the approach you're taking is synthetic peptides, right? And looking through your technology, and it's very different than some of the other approaches out there, whether it's CRISPR or CAR-T. Uh, as you've mentioned in previous presentations I've seen, Maymay, those are very expensive, uh, pretty much uneconomical for most of the developing world out there. I, I did want to ask the commercial question tied to this, which is that it looks like um, Vaccinity, you know, spawned out of a company called United Biomedical, you know, between United Neuroscience and then COVAX. And then now you guys have gone public here in November. Can you tell us about the genesis of your company and kind of how you got this royalty-free, you know, uh, commercialization rights to the to the platform that you have. Yeah, so it's an organic story, which usually means it's much more complicated. Um, the platform originally came out of Rockefeller University, uh, mentored by a, a few Nobel laureates, and then incorporated into a company called United Biomedical. Uh, it was supported early on by NIH grants, and as I mentioned, commercialized into uh, diagnostic and animal health applications first. So a few years ago, um, my husband and I, we spun out a company called United Neuroscience from there, of which United Biomedical was a major shareholder. That's how we got the first, you know, um, royalty-free license to the technology for neurological diseases. 
Um, that expanded to other chronic diseases. And then when the pandemic started, we started something called COVAX, basically to develop a vaccine for COVID-19. The truth was no one knew whether COVID was gonna stay around or not. So that's why we spun it into a separate entity. Um, you know, a year or two later, when we realized that for better or for worse, unfortunately COVID's not going away, um, we saw we had these two companies that were working on the same platform, basically the same team, same manufacturing, um, and COVID wasn't going away. So it made sense to merge the two. And that's how Vaccinity was born. And then as my follow-up for that too, I saw that, you know, Peter Diamandis was very interested in the, in the COVID vaccine as well. He talked a little bit, he's a rock star, just like you are, you know, but globally, people that are into life sciences immediately know who he is, is among space exploration and other things too. But can you talk a little bit about kind of his involvement or the role that he has in Vaccinity now? Yeah, so he, he's, uh, like you said, a rock star, like totally exponential thinker, visionary. He goes for moonshots and is probably, you know, one of the reasons why commercial space flight exists today. Um, he saw kind of the vision that we had. Uh, he recognized the potential, um, the legitimacy of the science. And, you know, he has been a huge supporter, right? He realized that this is an exponential transformative technology. So he helped found Vaccinity um, and is currently on our board today. So, you know, he is all in on our moonshot to vaccinate the world against heart attack and stroke, basically. It's, it's incredible support. Dana, I'll hand it back over to you if you wanted to talk about the pipeline. Sorry, it took a second to unmute. Um, so yeah, no, just like super cool. Peter is amazing. And, you know, I, 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 you know, just the vision and just, you know, you said the legitimacy of the science and, you know, just the belief that this can happen and just making things happen. Um, and so, you know, you're tackling a lot of, of different diseases. You have a very impressive pipeline. How did you choose to, you know, target such difficult diseases? I mean, like you, you know, talk about Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. They're, you know, they're, they're diseases that, you know, many companies have been trying to, um, you know, work against and you just haven't been successful. Um, you know, how, how did you choose those? And then, you know, like what specifically, you know, proteins are you targeting? How are you um, doing that, how are you testing, um, you know, to, to see how that that's going and, and, you know, and then, you know, how, how is it working? How's it going? We'd love to hear about that. Yeah. So uh, one of the benefits of having a platform is that you can go after a lot of things. And one of the drawbacks is that you can't do everything and you realize that. So you focus on what you're good at and then try to leverage off of others. Um, and so even though what we are doing seems, you know, crazy disruptive, we're actually taking a pretty de-risked approach to it. Um, Alzheimer's was our first shot on goal. And in fact, it came at a time where we really wanted to prove um, what and see what the platform could do in humans. Um, there was a, another vaccine at the time that was developed by Elan uh, in collaboration with J&J. &J. And even though it, it showed good signs of efficacy, it had to be halted because of safety issues. Right. And at the time, you know, we were a bunch of vaccinologists, not neurologists, but we saw that and we said, you know what, we know how to solve that problem. We know how to break immune tolerance safely, and we want to show that we can do it. And that was actually the origination of how we got into Alzheimer's. It turns out it's better to be lucky than smart. And we pushed that, you know, program forward and we got really beautiful results. So for Alzheimer's, you know, itself, we've now been through a phase one and a phase two A 
uh, we've tested it in Alzheimer's patients, early Alzheimer's patients. And even though it's not statistically significant because it's not you know hundreds and hundreds of patients, what we're seeing is that we can slow um, what appears to be slow the cognitive decline by about 50% across all these different um, endpoints. And with that, you know, encouraging data, we also went into Parkinson's, which has a very similar, you know, pathological phenomena where there are these toxic proteins. They're misfolded proteins that aggregate in the brain um, and begin causing damage, right? So that program is also in the clinic. Now, once those two programs started working, um, we started looking at really well-validated targets. So where a monoclonal already exists on the market, where we understand the biology, that it knows that it works, uh, and where we have a benchmark to know exactly what we have to hit to show efficacy in patients. So two examples are this, this um, one thing called CGRP uh, for migraine, for chronic, chronic migraineurs, right? There's monoclonals on the market, there's an oral on the market, but what we're trying to develop is a vaccine that can be the baseline, right, for long durability. So instead of taking a pill every day or a shot every month um, that you have to inject yourself, think about if you just went in uh, to your doctor's office, you know, two or four times uh, a year, really, and then you had this long durable relief, right? Um, that's migraine. Another one is for high cholesterol called PCSK9. There are a lot of drugs on the market right now, right? There are two monoclonals and um, you know, inclisiron on it as well. The problem is that they're expensive. And so they're, you know, late line treatments. You have to fail other treatments to get there. So even though the biology is really well validated and consistent, um, these drugs, because of their expense and the difficulty of taking them, um, become late line treatment. And so what we want to do was say, hey, let's show, let's go into this target where we can show efficacy and we know that it translates well. But let's try to go after first line because of basically our cost, convenience, and accessibility profile. So um, that's kind of how we got into these, Dana. And uh, we're excited because you know we're expanding the portfolio, but in a thoughtful way because we realize uh, we don't have the stomach to digest everything. Yeah, it's so smart. Um, you know, I, I didn't think of that. You know, just going after the targets that are already known um, through the monoclonals. That's is brilliant. Um, you know, I love smart companies and I love companies that are, are doing good. And so this goes back to your mission of, of equity and, and making, um, you know, really expensive drugs available for everybody using processes that are, are cheaper. Um, so which is brilliant. Really, really nice. Well, thank you. We're excited about it. Um, let's see. And so I have a, another question. Um, oh yeah, so you know, like with clinical trials, then you know, you mentioned that you have some things in, um, you know, phase phase one and phase two. You know, a lot of times when we're talking to, um, you know, we're talking about drug drug companies, um, you know, to investors. You know, we we talk about you know, like how the um, drug development. Uh, process is, you know, time consuming, it's risky, um, it's expensive. Um, you know, I'm just wondering how your clinical trials, you know, are, are going and, you know, the, the approach that you're taking of, you know, targeting, you know, now that I know targeting um, uh, those proteins that, you know, already have monoclonal antibodies, 
is that you know making your process um, easier or more challenging? You know, are are you able to use that data? Um, is that helpful? Just just curious, you know, uh, if you're having any um, challenges or benefits from the approach that you're taking. Yeah. So the answer is is both, right? Uh, I hate to be a lawyer about it, but it it depends. Um, so the cool thing is that our mechanism of action um, we're, we're, is out of a vaccine, right? Where instead of making these antibodies in giant vats and billion dollar facilities outside and then passively infusing, we're getting your body to be an antibody factory. Um, but the way that we test in clinical trials is very similar to other therapeutics because that's what we are. So the good, great part about going after targets that have already been validated is that there's a defined regulatory path already. And so we know what people um, did before us in order to you know, get their label and our approval. And so um, having that kind of pathway already defined really de-risks and accelerates our clinical development pathway. So that's what we're doing for um, you know, migraine and uh, hypoclostremia, as well as for Alzheimer's, because you know, there's a set path. Now it's interesting because with the vaccine, we can go beyond where a monoclonal can. And mainly that's in prevention. So it's not just sick care, but it's actually real health care, right? Um, because only with a vaccine can you practically and meaningfully go into prevention and try to intervene with the disease before symptoms appear. Now, the challenge is that these trials are more complicated and they take more time and money. So for Alzheimer's, even though we can go into you know, treatment like others have, um, we're looking for partnerships because prevention trials do take longer. And you really want someone, now the irony is that the probability of, of actually being successful is likely higher in prevention um, because you're intervening earlier um, before the disease has a chance to really set in. Uh, but it is more complicated. And so even though the field is, is moving in that direction, that's actually where, uh, because of the extra complications, um, we're looking for, for partners, um, particularly in those assets. Mimi, can you talk a little bit about COVID? This, this is such a relevant topic right now. For those of us who are non-scientists, can you tell us, you know, how you think about this virus and how you approach controlling it, preventing sure. it? So, um, so COVID is, is fascinating because it's still everywhere uh, and, and affects everyone, and yet we're all fatigued by it, right? So, um, you know, investors are fatigued by it, people are fatigued. We would just like it to go away. The problem is it's not going away. It's gonna, it's staying with us, right? Um, and so as a result, there's still big opportunity and, and unmet need. And, you know, I was just recently at the White House, I was um, honored to be there uh, talking about next generation vaccines. And what we're looking at is, can we get a vaccine that one can really um, kind of address multiple variants, current and future variants? Can we increase durability? Right. So instead of having a, a booster, you know, every three months or six months, can we, you know, increase uh, the amount of time that it's it's uh, protective? Um, and then when we're looking at LMIC countries, low and middle income countries, there's still a big question for um, distributability. Right. Cold chain. Can you do it in normal cold chain and not require extra cold freezers? Um, the last thing that I, I see, which is something that that I, I saw kind of in animal health, is that safety really matters, right? Um, if you had a choice between taking something that made you sick versus not, uh, all other things being equal, I would like to think that, you know, you'd like to take the thing that, that didn't make you sick. It's It would be the one at least that I would give my kids and loved ones. Um, so those are 
the challenges and opportunities that I see. And those are actually the things that, that we're working on. So we have a COVID vaccine called UB612. Um, it's in the clinic right now. In fact, it's in a, a global phase three uh, approval study, registration study. Um, and we're testing and to see if it can boost other platforms. So if you've had mRNA vaccine before, if you've had um, you know, an activated vaccine before, uh, can we boost you uh, to get protective levels of titers? And that's what we're gonna read out in the second half of this year and aim to get an approval off of. That's fantastic. I wanted to change gears a little bit, uh, talk about, you know, you just came public. Uh, IPO was, I believe, last November. Congratulations, by the way. Um, for those that are interested, you know, it is a publicly traded company. Vaccine is VAXX is a ticker for that. Um, maybe you raised $85 million, you know, last year. I, I wanted to ask, you know, our audience is investors or individual investors that are really interested in innovative things like you all are doing. Uh, what do you want to use the money for? What do you want to expand the company to do next in the next year, two years, three years? You know, we're just focusing on executing and getting good data readouts, right? So we're going to be um, looking at the COVID vaccine that I was just talking about. So uh, hopefully becoming a revenue generating company. Um, but the other ones is we have, you know, four major shots on goal that we're using that money for. And we want to make sure that they all have a chance to play out. So we got um, a readout in our Parkinson's vaccine later this year. We have a readout in our migraine vaccine um, that's going into the clinic right now, uh, early next year. And you know we just announced um, non-human primate data for our cholesterol vaccine, and we're going into the clinic with that. And so um, we're hoping to see some results from that next year. So the money that we raise is really going to progressing our, our pipeline. Uh, and I always tell everyone I meet, you know, IPO is just a step in the road towards achieving our North Star. It's a, it's a financing event. And, you know, the technology and mission give us the conviction to do the right thing. And I'm confident the rest will follow. I love that. Um, you know, just your North Star of, of doing the right thing. Um, and, and, you know, now with the the funding raise to be able to make that happen. Um, you know, just a couple days ago, uh, we had a new healthcare bill that was just signed into law. Um, and, you know, it helped, um, you know, in being able to negotiate drug prices and, and you know, the cost of, of drugs, you know, is something that, you know, we've been talking about for years, decades. Um, and, you know, your mission is to, to make, you know, pretty, expensive drugs that, you know, drugs that are typically really expensive. You know, so, you know, I'm, I'm curious, you know, with this new, with this new law, um, and hopefully you can still hear me. Um, with yeah. Okay. Um, you know, with this new law, you know, being a CEO of a publicly traded company, you know, there's, there's, extra pressure from investors from, you know, the street, um, you know, to, to do things. How is that, you know, influencing you, um, you know, as you're, you know, focused on, you know, meeting your mission and aiming at your North Star? Um, how do you not get distracted by, you know, all the other things that are happening now that you're a publicly traded company? So I think that's the job of a, a, a leader, which is to, to make sure we stay focused on what our North Star is. And that's the purpose of the North Star, right? No matter what is going on outside, you, you got one direction that you know you're going in. Um, in terms of the bill, listen, uh, I applaud the desired outcome of the bill, right? To lower drug pricing. Um, and it's completely aligned with our mission. So um, 
you know, it actually doesn't affect us. It's actually good for us uh, in the sense that, um, you know, as more reform happens, people are going to have to, to lower prices, um, which is where we were all along. Now, um, this is my own personal opinion, but, you know, the, the bill is big, then it gives negotiation rights. But I've always been a proponent that in order to make big things happen, um, you want to set the parameters about the outcome, not the guideposts, right? So going to the moon, right? The Manhattan Project, uh, getting a vaccine for polio, heck, getting a vaccine for COVID, right? We didn't say, hey, let's negotiate. You have to take this process. You have to take this process. We said, this is what we want, right? We want lower price drugs. Why don't we, you know, say that and challenge folks to deliver cheaper drugs like vaccines for chronic diseases, like invest in technologies that will get you there. That's what, you know, I think ultimately is going to happen, have to happen. Um, but that's not to denigrate this, this bill, which is actually a big step in, in terms of, you know, um, giving, balancing the, the playing field in terms of negotiating power. Um, but ultimately, I think true innovation comes um, from, you know, actually driving innovation, not the process around innovation. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. Um, yeah, I'm going to try not to get on my soapbox, but that could be a totally different <laughs> It's fascinating, Mei I mean, all the things that you've described about innovation, you know, the approach you're taking to these endogenous, you know, diseases, the, the immune response, it's hard to get the, to train the body to attack itself in the ways that you need it to without having off-target effects. Like you said, I, I applaud the efforts you're taking to not only just do this, but also do it in a way that's easy to distribute to other countries. It's affordable for them. There's a whole bunch of things uh, with the platform you're doing that, that are awesome. I think it's really cool. Um, I've also seen your presentations at Singularity University. I think that, you know, you are a bigger picture thinker. And I think as my last question for you, I'd like to kind of ask you to look into your crystal ball and everything that you know about healthcare and everything that you've done along this journey. I mean, we're, you know, in terms of distribution, in terms of, you know, all, all the different challenges that face the world today, uh, where do you see healthcare going in maybe five or 10 years from now? Um. Listen, I, I, uh, I think five and 10 years is always a, a funny thing. Uh, someone once said, you know, you can, you end up doing a lot less than you think you can do in a, a year, but doing a lot more than you think you could in 10 years, right? Um, ultimately, where I want to see healthcare going is moving towards, you know, healthcare, right? Preventive medicines. Um, and I think that we can bring uh, the third biologic revolution in. We don't have to do it ourselves. I think other people can, can help, but we're, you know, pioneering the idea. Um, but I think that, you know, just like today, we go in and get checked for cholesterol. And if we're, you know, high, we go put on statins. Uh, I'd like to think that, you know, in 10 years, we go in and we get checked for all sorts of things. We get checked for, you know, amyloid and tau in our brain, alpha-syn, um, these other biomarkers for migraine. And we say, hey, you know what, if you're high, Let's put you on a vaccine now and prevent that disease from happening. Um, and, and we just keep monitoring you on, on a, a yearly basis. And so I think preventive healthcare is really the way to a healthy society. Uh, and I think we have all the tools um, today uh, to get there. We just have to put them together. So diagnostics and blood-based biomarkers are coming around and this ecosystem didn't exist 20 years ago, right? We have um, new technologies of being able to see in the brain um, we have, you know, 
this technology that, that we're developing of vaccines for chronic diseases. This is coming out and being proven in the clinic right now. So all the pieces are there. We just have to put them together and um, keep charging ahead. So that's where I see life in, in um, you know, 10 years. And, and hopefully by then um, we will be well on our, our way to vaccinating the world against things like heart attack and stroke. Dana, I'll give you the last question. If there's anything you want to add, I know you're a big fan of uh, personalized medicines and value-based healthcare. It seems like a mission that you are certainly on board with as well. No, I, I think it's wonderful. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think I have um, any other questions. I would just, you know, love to be able to continue the conversation. You know, just you know, definitely follow up and you know, monitor your progress and and see what you're doing. Um, and you know, just um, you know. Healthcare is hard to disrupt, um, for real. It's it's you know really hard, and it's just great to see somebody who has the vision and is actually working to make it happen. Um, you know, I, I've seen a lot of companies you know do something, and they were just so too far ahead, um, and you know they they didn't make it happen. And it's great to see that you're you know you you have that vision, and you're making progress, and you know. And, and, you know, I'm looking forward to, to watching and, and seeing you reach your goals. Well, thank you, Dana. Um, you know, it's, it's a, a big vision, but I think we're, we're taking lots of little bites um, on how to get there. It's like uh, someone to say, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. So we got lots of data catalysts coming up um, and each step is one step closer to getting where we are. And as I mentioned, this is disruptive what we're trying to do, but we're doing it in a very de-risked way um, with the validated technology, with um, you know, well-validated targets, and we'll get there. We have the conviction uh, to not stop. Well, once again, Mei Mei Hu is the uh, co-founder and CEO of Vaccinity, V-A-X-X, for those who are interested in the publicly traded company, taking a disruptive approach uh, to treating and preventing, actually, some very serious conditions. Mei, Mei it's a real pleasure. Thanks for joining us on the 7 Investing Podcast this morning. Thank you, Simon. Thank you, Dana. It was on great. On behalf of my colleague, Dana Abramovitz, I'm Simon Erickson. Thank you for tuning in to this edition of our 7 Investing Podcast. We are here to empower you to invest in your future. We are 7 Investing. A reminder that people on this program may hold positions in the companies that are mentioned. Buying and selling stock carries financial risk, which could include the loss of capital. The views in this program should not be taken as personalized advice. Before acting on any of the information provided, listeners are encouraged to consult a financial or tax professional.